Cascade Hoops Talk, bringing the world NAI basketball one podcast at a time. Cascade Hoops Talk, Billy D. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing this morning? Well, the top 25's out. Time to argue. I thought they did a pretty good job. Congratulations to Shawnee State, ranked number one in the nation. St. Francis is at number two. I tell you, they're really, really loaded. Uh, Sagu, number three. That's a very good William Penn. Loyola, LSU Shreveport. I think that uh, the, the Raiders did a pretty good job. I think the only thing that popped out to me is Carroll College is in at number 10. I thought that was just a, a bit low, along with Morningside at 12. Morningside has virtually everybody back, and they were very tough last year. Same way with uh, Carroll. Whenever you do these things, somebody's got something to argue about. I think if you look in the receiving votes, there are definitely teams down there that are going to use this for some locker room material. Specifically, you know, LSU, Alexandria, Faulkner. I mean, Indiana Tech, they're picked to win the WAC, and they're in the receiving votes. Uh, Grace College and West Virginia Tech, they're going to square off there in Indiana in a couple weeks. We're going to be at that game. Xavier, Ottawa, Union, you know, they're going to be tough. They're in the receiving votes. Antelope Valley, they're nipping at the heels at the top 25 again. Olivet, Nazarene. But anyway, all these teams down here in receiving votes – I guarantee you this morning they're saying, we should have been in the top 25, and they're going to be jazzing their guys up. I can guarantee you that. Hey, can everybody do me a favor? Wherever you get this podcast, like and subscribe. It'll only take you a moment. It'll really help out. So let's talk about what we have going on today. We have uh, Indiana Wesleyan head coach Greg Tonegal, three-time national champion, you know, a great player himself in college days. He's done a really good job of, obviously, great basketball teams at Indiana Wesleyan, but building a culture that uh, we're going to talk about culture and how much it means in your program and your recruiting. But he builds a culture of winning, which focuses on the person first, basketball second. I think it's a great lesson. They do it just about as good as anybody, and we're going to talk to Coach about that. So why don't you hang on for just one moment, and we'll have Coach Tonegal. It's Cascade Hoops Talk. Billy D. here. We have three-time national champion Indiana Wesleyan uh, head coach Greg Tonegal. Welcome, Coach. Thank you for being on the show. Billy, it's good to talk to you again, and it's uh, even more exciting that we're starting hoop season, isn't it? Oh, man. I say it all the time. I did, I, last year was the first season of my entire life where I didn't go get to go to a basketball game, and, boy, I'm just itching. You know, Coach, we're gonna we're gonna talk about you guys kicking off here in a second. But you have such a great tradition at Indiana Wesleyan, and one of the questions I get asked all the time from people who aren't really familiar with you know the different levels of basketball is how do NAI schools compete? The level of NA the the level of athlete in NAI basketball I've seen it explode over the last twenty years, and I've developed kind of my theory, my hypothesis is that the top programs are the ones that are able to translate what you have to offer to how that's going to improve that young man's life. 
And I think that you at Indiana Wesleyan do that just as about as good as anybody. Can you talk about kind of your recruiting process and what it is you believe Indiana Wesleyan offers and, and how you go about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I think you make a really interesting point that I think all administrators in, in college basketball, college athletics, you know, might, might want to look into. But, you know, if you just take basketball right now and you look at the transfer rate in the NCAA, it has to elicit a few questions. You know, what, why are so many kids transferring and what's the, what's the underlying issue? Because there's something about an experience at an institution. If you go there out of high school and you're there for four years, the, the amount of growth that can happen when you're in a place that's conducive to growth, that, right, that where people actually care about you and are, and are pouring into you. It's a totally different experience than just hopping from school to school. And, you know, not, not that we're immune from transfers here at Indiana Wesleyan, but I think I realized a long time ago that, you know, I don't just coach basketball, I coach people. And so at the same time, I don't recruit basketball players, I recruit people. And that's a commitment to somebody that you want to further, you know, who they are, not just as basketball players, but as people. And to be even more specific, at a place like Indiana Wesleyan, where highest priority in my life is my faith. I'm trying to build into people spiritually. I'm trying to help them maximize their potential in Christ. And I think that over four years is a powerful trajectory. I mean, you, you see a kid graduate who's bought into that, he's going to do some big things, and he's going to have a great experience. And I think the interesting part is I think you get the most out of him on the basketball court. And so what you're, what you're seeing is kids kind of flourish in all areas of their lives. And that takes a lot of intentionality. You know, that's our entire staff every day is trying to have a pulse on a kid's life, not just how well did he shoot it yesterday or, you know, how many turnovers did he have, but what's in his mind right now? Is he fearless, you know, or is he fearful? Is there, is there something holding him back? Is he selfish? Is he, is he turning inward? I mean, those are the dispositions that, that we're trying to shape and form that no, not only impact, you know, who they are as people, but I really do think they impact them as basketball players. And to me, that's fun. That's, that's a puzzle to try to figure out. That's a challenge to try to coach people and lead people. But, you know, I believe that's what I'm called to do. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to stay at it for a while and give it my best shot. Yeah. I think that's pretty insightful coach. You know, I kind of developed this hypothesis right after COVID. I, you know, we got locked in and I'd spent all that time interviewing young men that had just graduated and time after time after time, I heard, well, I, w- I really wasn't familiar with this school. But I went there, and they never say, I went there because of the great basketball program. I went there because of the great gym. No, I went there because of the most, they always tell me two things. The most meaningful conversations were non-basketball. And number two, they went there because it felt right personally. And then after they get done, these schools like yours that can transcend level and say, this is the place for you, that the, the schools that can do that or offer that and do that are the ones who are able to get great, great people in who are also great basketball players, and it's just a good fit for everybody. You know, I, I think uh, most kids, and, and I was like that when I was, what, 17, 18, when, when you commit to a program, what you're thinking about is signing day. All your, all your marbles are on. What are people thinking that day? What's the reaction on social media? How am I going to look in, in this arena, you know, wearing all the gear? But the reality is we need to be thinking about graduation day. You know, who, who will I become if I go to this school? What four-year experience am I going to have? Who are the people that are going to surround me? And I, and I think until kids start doing that, we're going to continue to see transfer rates go up. But that doesn't mean, you know, we all have to do it that way. There, there, is, there are alternatives in recruiting, and I think those that are, that are going that route are, are finding better cultural fits and, and seeing kids flourish. 
Yeah, you know, one final thought on that. You know, to me, the the poster child for this conversation is Tanner Rubio. I mean, he goes NC2A Division One. He's a star at Jacksonville State. He plays in front of Michael Jordan. He plays in all the named arenas. But the, the when he came up to Indiana Wesleyan, he told me those were the only those were the years he enjoyed life and enjoyed basketball. Absolutely. You know, Tanner's that story. Johnny Marlin's another one. Johnny told me he was a kid who led us to the 2016 National Championship, and he transferred from Indiana. He was an Indiana kid. He said, my dream was to play in Assembly Hall. And he said, after I had that experience, I, I realized my dream was to be in a, in a program that cared about me more than a basketball player. And, you know, that, that to me spoke volumes of, of what this is all about and what kids are actually looking for. Well, Coach, you're, you're just about ready to get going here. You're starting, the, I'm going to call it the post-Kyle Mangus era. I'm sure you've heard that so many times. You're sick of it. Uh, Kyle seems to be doing very well now, playing in Europe. Uh, just an amazing talent. And, boy, we were all really blessed to watch him for several years. But, you know, life goes on. Kyle's now playing pro ball, but Indiana Wesleyan basketball goes forward. But you've got some really good seniors to build around. You know, I want to talk to you very specifically about a guy who I just has grown leaps and bounds, unbelievable to me, is Seth Maxwell. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it is the post-Mangus era, and I'm not happy about it, but that's, that's coaching in college. I cycle, you cycle through these kids, and like I told somebody, I'm going to have to coach this year. I, I had fun watching Kyle most of the time. He was such a great talent. But we're ready for Seth Maxwell to take that next step, and I, and I think Seth is, and we're going to need him to take a big step this year. Every year he's added a new element to his game, and, and this year to me it's about the – the mental approach, just consistently showing up every single night. So I do expect some big nights out of Seth. You know, Michael Thompson the third. he was a starter last year, nine points, four rebounds. You got him back as well. So he and Seth will be a great pair to, to grow, grow that starting five around or build that starting five. Yeah, Michael, Michael took the uh, COVID year. He's one of those guys that took that. And he just brings experience back. Uh, you know, we're expecting him to be just solid you know, contributed for us, um, along with Tim Adetukase, who was relatively new last year, but I think he'll take another step. And then Spencer Piercefield's a guard. He's just kind of bought his time. He's been a key contributor off the bench. This year he's a starting point guard for us. I expect him to, to take that step up. So, Coach Tonegal, is there any out recruiting this year? Are there any, any freshmen that fans should keep their eyes on? Any, any young people you think might get a chance this year? Yeah, I think, I think we've got some young guys that, that are going to have an opportunity to prove themselves. And, and so far, two of them have, have emerged as, as, as freshmen who are going to get shots. Uh, Lincoln Hale, a kid from southern Indiana, who was originally committed to Indiana State. And then the coaching change led to him opening up his recruitment. And then there's a kid named Griffin, Griffin Cleaver out of uh, Kansas City, who's, who's been uh, a little bit of a surprise for us. Great work ethic, pretty good athlete. Uh, he's going to be a nice player for us. What's the mood like there on campus? Is everybody excited for uh, Indiana Wesley and Wildcat basketball to start? They're excited to get in the gym. You know, last year we started the year out, no fans, which everybody else did, and uh, our students were just sitting in the dorms. So I'm excited to, to open the gates, get them inside. Let, let's just start playing some basketball again. So you play there in the Crossroads League. We talk about that all the time. But, you know, this season, you St. Francis, they're going to be loaded. Bethel, Grace looks like they're going to be tough. I mean, just talk a little bit about what you expect from the crossroads this season. Well, like you you said it. I mean, top to bottom, and I know I'm biased, and, and your uh, your West Coast fans won't like this, but I think it's the best league in the NAI. I, I, I would just throw that out there to kind of jab at you a little bit. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, 
St. Francis returns everybody. They were picked preseason, and they deserved it. Marion's a really talented roster. They return almost everybody. They had a couple guys take that COVID year. Bethel, Steve Draven's done a tremendous job, you know, at Bethel, and they're going to be uh, talented again. And there's other schools, you know, I'm not men- mentioning, because I could mention all 10 of them if, right, I, if exactly. I really wanted to. But our league just prepares you for the national tournament. It really does. If you can make it through the league, you've seen about the best talents you're going to see. You head to uh, Grand Rapids, I think 29th or October 30th, right in there. Uh, you're going to you're gonna start with, you know, Indiana Tech. Under Ted Albert, They and I don't have to tell you this, they've gotten better every year. And this year they were picked first in the WAC. I mean, they're going to be a – they're going to be tough. Yeah, they returned their top eight uh, from a team that was, you know, in the top 15 last year. I expect them to be a top 10 team, and uh, we're going to have to start out, you know, being thrown into the fire. And then we go Cornerstone next, which has been a great rivalry over my 17 years. And you talk about just battles with those guys. And, and I still think Coach Elder is one of the best in the business. His teams are always tough, and uh, he figures out a way regardless of who they graduate. Yeah, and then you follow that up. You uh, all of it Nazarene, another storied program, Briarcliff, and then Lincoln up in Chicago. They're uh, a, another program that just seems to be getting better every year. the The competition in the NAI, I, I just think it grows each year. What's your What's your opinion on? I know you're an NAI coach. That's probably an unfair question, but have you seen the level of talent change in your time associated with the NAI? Absolutely. Uh, in my 17 years. I just look at our league now, uh, the amount of talent at the top end is considerably higher. Um, and, I, and I don't exactly know why that is. Maybe this recruiting's got more competitive, the facilities, you know, the competition. But I think that's it's like that all the way across the board. That's a good sign for the NAI. That means we're moving in the right direction. I mean, kids are understanding, you know, that there is an alternative out there. You know, here at Indian Wesleyan, we've been able to get kids who turned down Division One scholarships, and that's a good thing. I, I think kids need to look – you know, at all options and not just go into it with the D1 or bus because that's obviously not working out for a lot of kids. Greg, I've n- I haven't been able to put my finger on it. I followed NAA basketball a very long time, and it seems like 20 years ago, if you had a couple of guys who were, you know, two-time all-conference, that was a that was a good get, you know. Now you look up and down the rosters, you know, this guy was 5A All-State, this guy was 6A All-State, this guy led the, the state in scoring, you know, the – this level of player just was never at an NAI school 20 years ago. I, I, the only theory I've been able to come up with is so many schools went Division three, no, the number of scholarships dropped, and so it, it opened up another level of talent for NAI. That, that's my hypothesis. Yeah, I don't know. You may be right. That's, that's, a, that's a keen observation. I, I couldn't give you any more insight into that, though, to be honest with you. Coach, you definitely have a lot of talent returning, but you also have Dan Largy from Palm Beach Atlantic. He's a transfer this year. What Talk about him just a little bit. Dan Largy feels a very important role for us, uh, just the ability to score the basketball. Uh, Dan's a six-year guy, so he's got he's got experience. He played at a very good Division II school where he averaged about 16. So we're going to rely upon his ability to uh, score the basketball. It, it starts for, with shooting with Dan, but he can do a lot of other things. He can really pass the basketball. He's pretty good in the post. He's not going to fill Kyle Mangus' shoes 100%, but he's going to help carry some of that load amongst others. So, Coach, is he coming in as a junior or senior? How many years do you have him? One year. This is his last year. He was able to get that COVID year uh, when he was at Palm Beach Atlantic. So two semesters, and he'll be out. Well, Coach, you got your work cut out for you this season, but I know you're up for it. Three-time national champion. We know you're going to make some noise. I really appreciate you taking the time to get with us today. 
Well, I appreciate it, Billy, and I always enjoy listening to your podcast, and I appreciate all you do for uh, small college basketball. It means a lot for, to us. Well, I can't wait to get out there here in a couple of weeks, and I know you and I have already talked a little bit. About meet your guys and see you and uh, watch some basketball in Indiana. Unfortunately, the schedule didn't work out where I, we could watch you play, but we'll be good, get over and watch you practice. I know. I know. I was bummed at that, but at least we'll get to see each other and you'll get to come over. Okay. Thank you very much, Coach. I appreciate it. All right. Take care, Billy.